Section 37 of The Wit and Humor of America, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. The Hoosier and the Salt Pile by Danforth Marble. I'm sorry, said Dan as he knocked the ashes from his regalia, as he sat in a small crowd over a glass of sherry at Florence's, New York, one evening. I'm sorry that the stages are disappearing so rapidly. I never enjoyed traveling so well as in the slow coaches. I've made a good many passages over the Alleghanies and across Ohio, from Cleveland to Columbus and Cincinnati, all over the South, down East and up North, in stages, and I generally had a good time. When I passed over from Cleveland to Cincinnati the last time in a stage, I met a queer crowd. Such a core, such a time you never did see. I never was better amused in my life. We had a good team, spanking horses, fine coaches, and one of them drivers you read of. Well, there was nine insiders, and I don't believe there ever was a stage full of Christians ever started before so chuck full of music there was a beautiful young lady going to one of the cincinnati academies next to her sat a jew peddler cows and a market wedging him was a dandy blackleg with jewelry and chains around his breast and neck enough to hang him there was myself and an old gentleman with large spectacles, gold-headed cane, and a jolly, soldering-iron-looking nose. By him was a circus rider, whose breath was enough to breed yaller fever, and could be felt just as easy as cotton velvet. A cross old woman came next, whose look would have given any reasonable man the double-breasted blues before breakfast. Longside of her was a rail backwoods preacher, with the biggest and ugliest mouth ever got up since the flood. He was flanked by the low comedian of the party, an Indiana Hoosier, wind down to Orleans to get an army contract to supply the forces then in Mexico with beef. We rode along for some time. Nobody seemed inclined to open. The old auntie sat bolt upright, looking crab-apples and persimmons at the hoosier and the preacher. The young lady dropped the green curtain of her bonnet over her pretty face and leaned back in her seat to nod and dream over japonicas and jumbles, pantalettes and poetry. The old gentleman, proprietor of the Bardolph Nose, looked out at the corduroy and swashes. The gambler fell off into a doze, and the circus convoy followed suit, leaving the preacher and me 
these are these saying nothing to nobody indiany he stuck his mug out of the window and criticized the cattle we now and then passed i was wishing somebody would give the conversation a start when indiany made a break this ain't no great stock country says he to the old gentleman with the cane no sir says the old gentleman there's very little grazing here and the range is pretty much wore out then there was nothing said again for some time by and by the hoosier opened again it's the damnedest place for simmon trees and turkey buzzards i ever did see the old gentleman with the cane didn't say nothing and the preacher gave a long groan the young lady smiled through her veil and the old lady snapped her eyes and looked sideways at the speaker don't make much beef here i reckon says the hoosier no says the gentleman well i don't see how in hell they all manage to get along in a country where thar ain't no ranges and they don't make no beef a man ain't considered worth a cuss in indiany what hasn't got his brand on a hundred head yours is a great beef country i believe says the old gentleman well sir it ain't anything else a man that's got sense enough to follow his own cowbell with us ain't in no danger of starving i'm gwine down to orleans to see if i can't get a contract out of uncle sam to feed the boys what's been licking them infernal mexicans so bad i s'pose you've seed them cussed lies once been in the papers about the indiana boys at boney Visti. i've read some accounts of the battle says the old gentleman that didn't give a very flattering account of the conduct of some of our troops with that the indiany man went into a full explanation of the affair and getting warmed up as he went along begun to cuss and swear like he had been through a dozen campaigns himself the old preacher listened to him with evident signs of displeasure twisting and groaning till he couldn't stand it no longer my friend says he you must excuse me but your conversation would be a great deal more interesting to me and i'm sure it would please the company much better if you wouldn't swear so terribly it's very wrong to swear and i hope you'll have respect for our feelings if you hain't no respect for your maker if the hoosier had been struck with thunder and lightning he couldn't have been more completely took aback he shut his mouth right in the middle of what he was saying and looked at the preacher while his face got as red as fire swearing says the old preacher is a terrible bad practice and there ain't no use in it no how the bible says swear not at all and i s'pose you know the commandments about swearing the old lady sort of brightened up the preacher was her duck of a man and the old fellow with the nose and cane 
let off a few oops, uh, oops. But Indiany kept shady. He appeared to be cowed down. I know, says the preacher, that a great many people swear without thinking, and some people don't believe the Bible. And then he went on to preach a regular sermon again swearing, and to quote scripture like he had the whole Bible by heart. In the course of his argument, he undertook to prove the scriptures to be true, and told us all about the miracles and prophecies and their fulfillment. The old gentleman with the cane took a part in the conversation, and the Hoosier listened without ever opening his head. I've just heard of a gentleman, says the preacher, that's been to the Holy Land and went over the Bible country. It's astonishing to hear what wonderful things he has seen. He was at Sodom and Gomorrah and seen the place where Lot's wife fell. Ah, says the old gentleman with the cane. Yes, says the preacher. He went to the very spot, and what's the remarkablest thing of all, he seen the pillar of salt what she was turned into. Is it possible? said the old gentleman. Yes, sir, he's seen the salt standing thar to this day. What? says the Hoosier. Real, genuine, good salt? Yes, sir, a pillar of salt, just as it was when that wicked woman was punished for her disobedience. All but the gambler, who was snoozing in the corner of the coach, looked at the preacher. The Hoosier, with an expression of countenance that plainly told us that his mind was powerfully convicted of an important fact. Right out in the open air, he asked. Yes, standing right in the open field, war she fell. Well, sir, says Indiany, all I've got to say is, if she had dropped in our parts, the cattle would have licked her up afore sundown. The preacher raised both his hands at such an irreverent remark, and the old gentleman laughed himself into a fit of asthmatics, what he didn't get over till we came to the next change of horses. The Hoosier had played the mischief with the gravity of the whole party. Even the old maid had to put her handkerchief to her face, and the young lady's eyes were filled with tears for half an hour afterward. The old preacher hadn't another word to say on the subject, but whenever we came to any place or met anybody on the road, the circus man nursed the thing along by asking, What was the price of salt? End of The Hoosier and the Salt Pile Recording by Bill Mosley, Frellsburg, Texas, U.S.A.